watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the binge. A bunch of couple of homos review the latest movies. I am Jason Leroy. And I am Dr. Mrs. Rebecca St. James. And <laughs> today we have four movies for you. May, December, Saltburn, Eileen, and Maestro. And as always, we're going to be rating these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's kind of meh, and send it back means... Life is too short for that mess. Jason, what's up with you? Actually, yeah, what's up with you? Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for asking. Anyway, Uh, so shall we get to the movies? Well, I will briefly plug, uh, as you guys uh, may have noticed, it's been once again, um, uh, well, I mean, you know, it's as scheduled. It's been two months, as we told you guys it would be since our last episode. Mm-hmm. And in that time, I have actually taped an entire season of episodes on a podcast called When Will It End with my new friend Charles Hobby. Um, and uh, this is a, a podcast that dedicates a whole season to reviewing each and every single movie in a particular franchise. So each movie in a franchise gets a full episode deep dive. And uh, so Charles asked me what franchise I would want to do. And naturally, you know, you think of the great franchises, you think, you know, you think Indiana Jones, you think Star Wars. For me, I thought Bridget Jones. (laughs) Uh, So uh, so look out for um, my three episode arc (laughs) doing deep dives on all three Bridget Jones diary movies on the podcast. When will it end? Uh, but yeah, I've, I've, I've taped all three since we last did an episode. Wow. You just (laughs) could not stop talking about the BJU. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I can't, I physically cannot stop talking about the BJU. Um, I might come up today. We'll see. Um, it's certainly, uh, a dark and lurid collection of films today. So I might need some Bridget Jones levity here and there to get us through it. (laughs) Speaking of when will it end? Shall we get to the movies? Yeah, let's do it. Just kidding. I do care about what's up with you. Anything else? (laughs) No, that's it. What's up with you, Rebecca? Uh, we don't have time. Um, we have four chunky movies, wouldn't you say? They are chunky. Yeah, um, there's there, there's chunk factor here. There's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, there's a lot in these. Um, chunk, if you will. I I will. I will. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting with May December. Twenty years after the notorious tabloid romance, a married couple buckle under the pressure when a Hollywood actress meets them to do research for a film about their past. Much. Ink has been spilled about the newest Todd Haynes film, May December. Um, <sighs> and I think this is this is the f- the last movie by Todd Haynes. Was it Carol? Uh, the last, yeah. He made a documentary about the Velvet Underground. Oh, right. um, but yeah, the the last, yeah, the last like narrative that he did was Carol, I believe. So, oh wait, no, it was Dark Waters. It was Dark Waters. He made a weird movie that nobody watched. Oh, is that the one uh, with the Mark Ruffalo? Mm-hmm, I watched mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I thought it was <laughs> I great. It too. No, it was very good. It was very good. It just felt very like untaught Haynes. Um, oh right. Since it, there was really no like women, you know. Yeah, crying. <laughs> actually, actually, I think Anne Hathaway was in it. Uh, who we'll talk about more later. <laughs> there is. I can see the like the um, it's always sunny meme with the red string right now, which is like May December. Todd Haynes, Carol, <laughs> Carol to Eileen. 
Um, <laughs> Carol also to Patricia Highsmith to the talented mm. Mr. Ripley to Saltburn. Uh, and and then Maestro is also gay. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess let's get the the gayest not gay movie out of the way, which is made December yeah. before we talk about um why is Hollywood so obsessed with us? <laughs> God, no, it's, it's so true that this movie is the only one we're talking about this week without even serve a single explicit allusion to queerness in any way. And yet it does somehow feel like the gayest. I mean, it does have a woman's obsession with a woman. It isn't sexual, but mm-hmm. but it also is not right. sexual. There's a sexual aspect to it. Okay, so do you want, do you want to talk about the premise a little bit? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure, sure, sure. So y'all remember Mary Kay Letourneau and Billy Palau. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe you, you mainly know them from the 30 Rock Gay for Jamie episode. Uh, <laughs> whenever Liz finds out how old Jamie really is, and she's like, oh, we just went from from Demi and Ashton to Mary Kay Letourneau and Billy Palau. And Jamie responds, are those friends of yours? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it's also the relationship between Frank and Susan Sarandon. Mm, in 30 mm-hmm, Rock. That's true. Which then brings that's the 30 true. Rock connection to Julianne Moore, who mm. is in May, December, and she also does that accent like they speak in Eileen. It just keeps going in circles, Jason, these movies. And in my letterbox review of May, December was that Julianne's Boston accent in 30 Rock uh, walked so that her lisp in this movie could run. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wonderful. So, one, yeah, no, it all comes together. Uh, yeah, so so this movie, On, on the Surface, um, this is a film about uh, an actress, played by Natalie Portman, uh, who goes to sort of just spend time infiltrating the lives of a, of a woman who she is going to portray in the film, uh, a woman whose story is, is essentially a, a lightly fictionalized version of the Mary Kay Letourneau story, which was about a, an adult teacher uh, who had a sexual relationship with a 13-year-old student of hers. That led to um, uh, her becoming, you know, incarcerated for a number of years. But she meant she actually had two children with him during her incarceration, and then the two of them, after she was released from prison, spent decades and remained together for decades. Um, so this is about, uh, yeah, a woman going to study uh, this 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 couple and their children and just their whole sort of family unit, what their lives are. Um, to sort of, you know, get to the bottom of it and who they are so she can play it well uh, in this in this film that she is going to make. Um, but that's and that and that and that is this is truly one of those movies where, you know, describing on the surface of like what happens, like what it's about. It feels like you're almost talking about a different movie than what you actually 100%. watch. Because the layers of like subtext are so immediate and just the the, the feeling of discomfort um, and unease that you get, and just the ambiguity, the the just the charged, inexplicable feelings that just pop up everywhere you look. Uh, there's so much roiling beneath the surface in this one, um, and it's it's and it's done. I mean, that's not easy to communicate, uh, you know, in a film. Uh, so it's definitely Todd Haynes operating at a very high wavelength, and all of his actors mm. also as well. I think. Uh, but yeah, so you you jump in. What are what are your where's some here? <laughs> yeah, you, you you talk now. Yeah, your turn. Um, okay, I'm just gonna. I just have some loose points. Um, <laughs> having, uh, I think it was like 16 when the Mary Kay Letourneau uh, story 
was tabloid fodder and all over the news. And so I was very familiar with the story, but I guess maybe I was in high school, so I wasn't really like, you know, watching all of it. So, you know, anecdotally familiar, but um, having seen after the references, so as you mentioned, mm-hmm. the Lisp and some some interviews that they had done, that she had done that um, are w- more clearly referenced in this movie than I thought. So I guess not knowing the... Um, how much it was copying the real story um, mm. is is an interesting element. So um, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like that story. Like, you know what I mean? I've, mm-hmm. Like afterwards, mm-hmm. and I watched it with Soul, who, you know, wasn't familiar with the story. And, um, and so I don't think that ruins it at all. In, in fact, I, the movie is about, well, part of it is about, uh, Hollywood's treatment of these kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. And um, and I thought, it's just, yeah, when you say operating at a wavelength, the layers and the the lens of who is the subject of maybe criticism in this story mm-hmm. shifts so much. Um, when we finished it, I was like, you know, shook a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Soul was shook. Um, and we had com- two completely different reactions. Um, she was very unsettled by the whole nature of their relationship. The the fact that they're still living in this marriage, um, that it's just this continued um, p- promotion of this crime that happened a long time ago, right? That there's, The fact that they're still together is still like the crime happening. Mm. And I was just so... I saw it as a story of a trouble... A, marriage in trouble um some empty nesters having to kind of reassess their relationship (laughs) and um the effects of like predatory media it we Mm. couldn't have had two different you know more different reactions to this story i was like oh i thought they handled their relationship this movie handled it as though we're you know kind of a normal relationship right um and then, then there then you kind of revisiting it um and you know there's been so much buzz about Charles Melton, yeah, who plays um, oh, I can't remember the character's name, but the adult version of this, you know, thirteen-year-old boy in this relationship, and mm-hmm. his lone performance adds this whole other element, which is, oh, right, the the crime is still happening. Mm-hmm. The his performance as a a man and a like a a grown big man. <laughs> embodying a 13 year old boy you know is it's not in the dialogue you know necessarily that um that this that this crime is still happening that their relationship is still this wildly imbalanced power dynamic it's only his performance that communicates that whole line through this movie Mm -hmm. brilliant it's brilliant yeah 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 no i agree i think it's interesting i I feel like Charles Melton in this movie is the one thing that seems like a lot of audiences can agree on. Um, and, and similarly to in Barbie, how a lot of people would walk away just being like, I like Ryan Gosling. Um, <laughs> if they didn't know, if they didn't want to say they like something else about the movie. Um, because I think in, in the, in there, they're not, they're not that different as characters. Um, but I feel like the reason that a lot of people gravitate toward Melton's performance in this film um, is because it is the least ambiguous element of it in a way. Uh, because like it's it's it, it, he sort of just is who he is on the face, 
like we understand like he is somebody who has been victimized and we see this sort of the layers of his stuntedness his arrested development you know as the film goes on um and it's heartbreaking it's a beautiful performance but i think as soon as you get into natalie and julianne's characters there is no such like simple unambiguous reading of either of them Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the complexity of those characters is is profound. Um, and I, I would definitely align myself with your reading, um, you know, of this. Uh, I think that it's Vulture ran a great essay the other day about how May December is confounding to the idea of Internet brain, mm. uh, which is this idea that like you think should be immediately comprehensible in a way that you can just like spit out into a headline a quick take a tweet uh an outrage response you know that things are and this is and i think this is you know something that has happened in general to like discourse you know over the last 10 years or so like you know like we're we're fed by these sort of just like these quick headlines or tweets that can it's black and white moral outrage what have you this is a movie that resists all of that because mm-hmm. it has it it does not pass judgment on its characters. Um, you know, it does not not show the impact that this relationship had on Melon's character. But we also find out things about Julianne's character's background. I mean, understand the extent to which like she is both victim and victimizer in a, in a way. And, you know, that this is sort of this ongoing relationship between two very damaged people even though one of them did the damaging of the other, but she herself was also damaged. And I, I, and I totally agree that the take is sort of about not only when uh, Hollywood, when movies or TV try to tell some, you know, some facile version of a very complex human story, but even we as the public, you know, as we watch these stories play out in the tabloids um, and then just have these, just reductive, quick, knee-jerk, black and white judgments we pass on them, um, as if we can, as if we can comprehend it fully, you know, as if people are not infinitely complex. Uh, so I and I and so and I, and I love also. I mean, I agree with everything you said. Um, you just the the way that the, the focus shifts of the course of the film from you know we're sort of looking at Julianne as more you know, sort of like a, a villain or we're looking at her as like the, the perpetrator of this crime. And Natalie is maybe like a righteous interrogator um, trying to get to the bomb of this fucked up woman. Um, but then as the film goes on, we gradually, you know, get the sense that Natalie's character might be considerably more deranged mm. um, and morally compromised uh, than Julianne's character. Uh, so it, it's, <clears throat> it's, it's, it, this is why it's so funny to me that this movie is on Netflix. Of all, <laughs> Peacock like, was busy. <laughs> like of all places for people to watch a movie of this level of like you know complexity, like people are just like finishing their Shit's Creek binge and then just like hopping on over. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, Natalie oh. Portman. After the Great uh, British oh. Bake Off finished, I guess we'll. Right, exactly. He's like, oh, I love Riverdale. Let's see what this Charles Melton movie is. <laughs> uh it is it is hilarious to me um but yeah i mean like the reactions to this have been wild and uh, and your and your household was definitely emblematic uh of of that kind of split definitely and i, I and i have heard other you know other friends have similarly sort of expressed their their kind of 
uh, I guess, their own horror, um, of, if you will, that movie is not more explicit in condemning Julianne's character as like a pedophile or as a sex offender or, you know, that kind of thing. And Todd Haynes, you know, he has actually said in interviews that he does not think of her character as a pedophile. Uh, he said, you know, she she obviously did this with this one boy, but it's not a pathology for her. You know, she is not somebody who is interested sexually in children. Uh, you know that she he's like this is part of the complexity of the story, is that this is something this is the nature of this relationship. It was just this one person. It was not an ongoing sexual uh, interest or predilection of hers. Uh, so like he's really pulling you know holding back on any judgments that crowd, the audiences would want to sort of pass on on the story and on what the people in it are doing. Um, you know, holding his holding his his most scornful judgment for the actress. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think. Uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you go ahead. Um, I mean, I, this is a spoiler. Um, but so skip. You know, thirty seconds if you if you don't want it. But um, I think it's it's pretty explicit. Uh, in the in the most beautiful final scene of this movie, where we just see that the movie they end up making is what looks like a very shitty made for TV <laughs> ripped from the headlines story. Um, and it's the more explicit combination of the media's treatment of these people and their real lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love the last scene so much. So, brilliant. um, so brilliant. And the way Natalie plays it is incredible. I mean, her entire, like the calibration of her performance in this movie is so unsettling. Um, yeah. and I mean, when she, when she does the Q and a with the high school drama club, oh I mean, my God. <laughs> uh, it is just another level. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I love that scene. And then again, like it is, it is the media exploitation, but it's also like, who's the audience for this? It's like people who want to like, who tune in for it, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, to have this, this sensationalistic, simplistic portrayal of events play, you know, to play it out uh, to, to sort of titillate and satisfy us. Uh, you know, so we can just do the whole like rubbernecking at the train wreck situation mm-hmm. and, and then just walk away feeling, you know, morally superior, but also indulged in some way. And, you know, uh, it's just so rich and so fascinating. I I was debating with a, a friend of the day whether or not this movie is this year's tar. Yeah. Um, by which for in and, and she was sort of like, no, I she and she's a massive tar head. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and she, so not a tar heel. She, she ah, reflexively, she only you know, shops at Target, but she <laughs> was reflexively like, no, 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 it's not, it's not, it's not tar at all. Um, but I was like, well, I, I, I feel like to me, the tarness of it. <laughs> is how you know not only is it you know sort of like a a, a female driven drama um about sort of uh uh you know what's the word misbehavior um but it can be read either as a comedy or a drama because the tone the tone is played so straight-faced um and so if you have because like the first time i watched tar i did not laugh at anything because i i just i didn't even it did not at trigger my like camp response at all um so and then somebody's like it's a comedy i'm like it is and then i watch it again i'm like oh this is hilarious um <laughs> you know maybe and there's and and <laughs> briefly briefly jumping ahead to maestro there's like some letterbox review of it that was like um this movie has the adam gotnick scene from tar like five times except it doesn't realize it's funny or something like that. <laughs> 
Um, but uh, but yeah, so I think, you know, tonally, this is a movie that can be, and this movie, I think, tips its hat a bit more overtly just because of the hot dog scene, which has become like gay iconography immediately. I mean, it is the uh, don't drink all the Coke from a Holland Drive. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, what do you so what do you what do you think? Is this is this is this the tar of the 2023 prestige movie season? Uh, uh, I mean, I think the the main difference for me is that tar has almost like an unsettling otherworldliness to it. Mm. Um, there's more of an impending sense of doom. Like tar almost yeah. feels like a horror thriller. Um, mm. that this movie doesn't have. That's interesting. This feels you much just, more you, domestic and the other one or tar the other one. Tar feels <laughs> um the, the feel like the they ratchet up the the tension in mm-hmm. in a way that um is thankfully absent here. So you, you did not think that there was a, a mounting dread in this movie? Not not as much. I mean yes, but not I don't know. I've yeah, Tar had one foot in like horror to me. Yeah, yeah. No, I would agree. I would agree. But I agree um, that there's the the comedic. It has one of the best lines I think of the year. Um, in May December, when Charles Melton's on the roof with the sun, and he's like, "Oh yeah, uh, are we bond? We're like, are we connecting? Or am I creating a bad memory in real time?" <laughs> <laughs> right. There were a lot of there were a few funny moments, and then yeah. the the yeah. campy music. Yes. Yeah. The music is, is something that seems to be throwing a lot of people. Uh, for me, the music is, I mean, I love the different creative choices in this movie that do blur that line between prestige drama and like TV movie of the week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I feel like, and I feel like the score, which is so sort of deliberately histrionic and kind of cheap sounding is meant to, and I saw there's an interview with a composer I just got, like a breaking news email about that I want to read, but I saw just from the pool quote that he was like, the score is meant to destabilize the audience. And mm. I'm like, well, success. <laughs> <laughs> Goal did, achieved. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think just every choice in this movie just catches people off guard. And, and I do think that to your point, Tar is very much like, Tar, you genuinely are just like terrified as things go on, especially in Berlin and mm-hmm. and you know both going into the abandoned house and the the thing the clock going off, the metronome going off at night and all that stuff. This does not have anything like that, but this does have the thing that this does that's that's so remarkable is everything that shows us is seemingly kind of pleasant for the most part. It's just like superficially just pleasant, just like small southern town interactions between you know between people. But the but this mounting this pit in your stomach, it probably like what kind of what soul was feeling by the end um, of just like you start to feel complicit by the end, you know, because by the end you realize that you've kind of mm. been along for the ride. Right. So right. as as much as the film does shift your perspective toward being more scornful told toward Natalie's character, then you realize you've you've actually your allegiance has crossed over and suddenly you're like you're like, wait, am I advocating for this this family? Am I do I am I on their side now? Even like, you know, in these and I think the children, the, the characters, the children that they have together are also a, such a challenge to the mm. idea of like being able to have a facile moral judgment. And because these are whole human lives that are no more or less valuable than any of our own. And, you know, and they came out of this 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 relationship. You know, it's just yeah, it's such a beautifully challenging look at all these things, but without ever taking itself in any sort of self-righteous way. I couldn't I uh, couldn't have said it better. 
beautifully challenging. And yeah. it is definitely a binge it for me. Yeah, massive binge it. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so thrilled. <laughs> I'm so thrilled with it. I'm so glad. Uh, I've been waiting for a movie like this uh, to make me happy the way this movie <laughs> made me happy. Uh, so, yay, yay, yay. Uh, as you mentioned, it is on Netflix and it is rated R. Movie number two, Saltburn. Ooh, what a, what a short summary. <laughs> a student is invited to an eccentric classmate's estate for an exciting summer. <laughs> Fun times are had. <laughs> Whack, hijinks ensue. <laughs> Hilarious consequences. Um, we're going to spoil this one, too. Just Uh-oh. After the first third of this movie, I had to pause it to get some in a drink. I was making a coffee or something. And Sol was like, what do you think? And I was like, well, I can't wait uh, for a turn to happen because, I mean, right now it's just like I'm watching The Talented Mr. Ripley. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we finished the movie and then it was like, oh, I guess that turn never happened. And we just <laughs> watched a remake of The Talented Mr. Ripley, <laughs> which is like, I guess if you are in a bar and there's a cover band playing and they're good and they're playing your favorite song, you're like, oh, great. That was fun. But then I just, I, since, I, since I've seen this, I can't stop wondering how this movie was made. How, the, I mean, the Venn diagram between people who want to see Saltburn and people who have seen and have seen multiple <laughs> times and love the talented Mr. Ripley is a circle. And mm. how they wouldn't think that that's what everyone would think watching this is, blows my mind. Jason. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Apparently, uh, and, and I'm not as familiar with the other one, but everybody has pointed out that it's Town of Mr. Ripley meets Brides Have Revisited, uh, which I am not as familiar with that one. I did see the most recent film adaptation of it. But yeah, so that and that that is more of a, a like in that case, you know, you have like, yeah, like the the climber and you have like the beautiful boy who has all the wealth and he also has a sister. And, you know, so it's so it's apparently it's it's a perfect mishmash of those two hmm. texts. Right. Right. That are visited in town of Mr. Ripley. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like every generation gets its own version of different stories. <laughs> um, and uh, and this is this generation's town of Mr. Ripley. And I mean, I, I, I will say, I mean, this movie is a lot more sort of deliberately sort of outre and graphic than talented Mr. Ripley. Uh, Mr. Ripley only ever sort of winked at a lot of things. And and to be clear, it winked a lot more directly than movies 20 years before Ripley would have. Um, But, you know, there's no, for instance, at no point does Mac Damon slurp up Jude Law's cum from a bathtub. (laughs) Uh, much, much of the film's, uh, you know, dismay, really. Um, You know, that there's, there's a lot more like this, this movie really goes for, to me, this is like almost like Ryan Murphy making a a Mr. Ripley because it's all about vibes and it's all about just sort of just these big centerpiece scenes that are just very lurid and Mm. very sort of like, they they are there to 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 get a shock out of you. They're there to raise your eyebrow. Um, you know the scene with the sister out in the garden. You know, like the the final dance number. Uh, you I've know, never felt um, more seen, by the way. 
<laughs> yes, I, this is and this is more or less what I imagine you do. You know, and I'm like, this is why she moved to Palm Springs. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's why you that buy up. a house. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. To do exactly that. Yeah. Sorry, go on. But uh, which also, although does make me think of uh, on Broad City when Abby Jacobson has the whole new dance scene to Edge of Glory <laughs> by Lady Gaga, like the one time that the one time that her roommate's not there. Yes. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, and I think also this character, Mr. Ripley, Tom Ripley, also had more sort of actual moral ambiguity as a character. Um, because in, in the final scene of Mr. Ripley, which is like so, so, so very devastating, mm-hmm. um, you know, like he, he, you know, we see that it ultimately is rooted in such, such an intense self-loathing. It's not that he is like an actual like sociopath, psychopath out to just like take what he wants and kill people, get in the way. Like it comes from a place of such intense self-loathing that he's willing to, um kill to to make himself go away and to be someone else uh whereas in saltburn barry keegan's character is is just kind of a psychopath um and the movie does have a sort of it has a bit of a twist i would say there is a bit of a twist because you know we have this narrative for the first half or so of the film or at least third um that he is this sort of disadvantaged character um you know who is picked on who comes from a difficult background um and you know and did you did you have like bullshit call on that right away or or did you did you were you surprised when it was revealed that he actually came from like that he'd been misrepresenting everything oh good question i don't think i uh, i think i I was suspect i was suspect mm. of it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah 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 uh and and very keegan is is perfectly cast in this on another on several levels um but you know part part, but also because he um uh but also and he he just he just the way he looks the way he carries himself like he's very believable when he's presenting himself as this downcast disadvantaged student um and especially for those of us who just saw him in banshees of anashirin last year where he is, you know, where he was essentially playing like a village idiot. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, you know, who comes to a very tragic end. Uh, you know, like it was like we have like sympathy for him left over from that. So we're like, oh, you again. Um, <laughs> and scam. then yeah, little guy back at it. Um, but then you know, so when he does sort of recalibrate his his performance, uh, you know, at once he's at the estate and is sort of getting the lay of the land and realizing what he wants to do, it's like, oh, okay, because the movie never really. He just one day kind of turns on a dime character wise and becomes someone very different. And then we start to become clued in as an audience as to what's going on. Um, us and, of course, the one character who sees him, what, what he's doing exactly, which is to say the Philip Seymour Hoffman character. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> and, and it's almost like it's almost like, I guess, um, uh, uh, I guess you could say that um, Rosamund Pike is like the Kate Blanchett in a way. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, because she's ultimately the one who sort of is 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 there more to the end, who he is sort of uh, you know drawn to, and and she is just so fucking good in this movie. And the sisters of Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes, it's just Gwyneth Paltrow, exactly. Um, and then there's <laughs> Carrie Mulligan as poor dear Pamela. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did the back-to-back of Maestro first and then this one, and I was like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) 
yeah, and that's what connects it to my Maestro. That connects the four movies. Now they're all connected. Oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. Yes, and Carrie Mulligan playing different kinds of tragic characters in both. <laughs> uh, but uh, but in Saltburn, they're more as a visual reminder that Emerald Fennell's last film was Promising Young Woman, mm-hmm. for which she won the Academy Award for Original Screenplay. And now she's back with it. It's like, you're here. It's like, could this movie be, 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 be submitted for original? I don't think so the least original screenplay. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe that was the move. I think like, um, I, I, yeah, it's it, the thing about the premise being so similar that ruins it mm. for me is that it it took away some of the like the shock and it, you know the way may december we're like oh how do i feel and uh, this right. seems so strange and I'm, I'm being torn in so many directions about this here it was like oh yeah that's what tom ripley would do and and so it felt right. like it spoiled um all of the reactions i would have had to the plot mm, yeah yeah no i could see that uh it's i feel like it's interesting to see um, in this i feel like the maybe the 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 wild card is almost the parents in a way rosamund pike and richard e grant because they seem so oblivious but then we occasionally get glimpses that they are on to things in terms of like these people who that their children bring into their lives who will suddenly just move in and become part of the family until they're suddenly removed um you know so uh you know there there's not like a person who is presiding over Ripley's entrance into um, into Dickie Greenleaf's world? In a way, it's Dickie, and then Dickie is gone. Right. Um, you know. So uh, and then and then so Ripley is kind of just unencumbered. Like Ripley has no one to sort of stop him. Um, you know, it says, it says he's maintaining that he's killed the one person who is on to him. Right. But then there's um, the part where the father comes and with the Italian right. police and. But right, right, right. Just to say that the Rosamund Pike and, and Richard E. Grant part of this whole movie is the most delightful. Rosamund yes. Pike, standout Ugh. star of this movie. She's always wonderful. It was, Ugh. it was, it was hilarious. These, the humor. Yes, uh, she is. She is flawless. She is flawless. flawless. Um, and 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 Richard Grant is playing. I mean, he's he, and he's doing. A very, you know, it's he's he's pitching his relationship in such a poignant place, uh, because you know she she is playing things in 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 a, in a very satisfying way in this sort of just like this very just sort of dry high society humor kind of way, whereas he has a bit more pathos to the performance and it's it's heartbreaking. He's heartbreaking in this movie, um, but also very funny. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, uh, but you know, it's I mean, it's, it's well acted across the board. It, this is the first time. We've seen Jacob Lordy kind of be soft mm. uh, because, you know, he is he is such, you know, he's, of course, a very menacing sociopath on Euphoria. Um, even in Priscilla, you know, Elvis is more of an antagonist, you know, captor uh, controller than, you know, in anything else. You know, so in this, we can see him be just like a soft, flirty boy for the first time and you know be vulnerable uh which is uh, which is a, a good look on him not that it, i think anything could look bad on jacob already but <laughs> this but th- this movie has been this movie has become some, such an interesting flashpoint almost similar to may december but like in a different way because all like like the gay gatekeepers of culture um that generally love may december think that saltburn is like the greatest abomination to happen in movies this year Oh, like, say more. I don't know about this. Like, yeah, the tastemakers of the world 
have decided that Saltburn is like a travesty, uh, that it is an embarrassment, that it is just like it, it. There have been a few. There were there was like a, a very high profile, massive pan that came from uh, I believe the Boston Globe pretty early on that the whole internet was just like, oh, I love this because it was so mean. Um, and, <laughs> and then and then Ingu and I have been talking about this a lot recently because she finally saw it and she was texting me. She was like, Saltburn was dot 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 good question mark she was like i liked it it was fun and like i'm of this mindset and then and then there are also people like i have a lot of people at work who who love it and think it's like genius so it's it, it this movie i would say more than what it may december is like engendering this very 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 divided polarized response with people but my take is that it's still even though it is like referential it's fun and you know mm-hmm. and and, it's, and to your you know your your comparison about like with music and how like you know the cover of your favorite song still sounds good like like i i have reached a point in my music journey where i acknowledge that like if i like a new band it's probably because they sound like a band that i liked 20 years ago <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh you know there aren't a lot of new sounds that come out that i'm into you know it's like i'm like oh that sounds like a Ruka salt i love it um, Are you the so, person responsible for all the plays of that guy who covered Robin that got the Spotify award? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's. I think I, I think it's a perfectly like it's a fun movie. I feel like Emerald. I think people are acting as though Emerald Fennell is trying to say something profound with this movie, and she just clearly is not. Like this is this is a very just like this is just like a a, a nasty diabolical kind of darkly comic romp you know mm. about like people behaving badly uh and it's very as we said it's very lurid it's very sensational and I, I don't i don't feel like it's trying to be anything other than what it is and there are all these like i've seen think pieces with headlines like uh salt burn whitewashes the cruelty of the upper class what? <laughs> I'm like what what do you what? think this movie is trying to do <laughs> <laughs> okay that's that's I'm like, all right, that internet, seems, calm down. Yeah, that seems a bit, that's a bit much. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not saying it's great art by any stretch, but I think it's like a perfectly, it's just like a, it's just like a dirty, fun movie. It's like, it's Mr. Ripley if Mr. Ripley was played more kind of just, oh, just fun and campy because Mr. Ripley is like, is played more like a psychological thriller, um, right. you know, and it's, it, it's not really like a funny movie. Uh, there's not really a lot of humor in that movie, aside from that one scene of Philip Seymour Hoffman like scowling at Ripley <laughs> when they're like in the record store and he's yes. like kind of like jazz snapping his thumbs while he's like glaring at Ripley or whatever. Uh. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess that I mean that's in the in that movie was like a primer, and I was you know very much expecting how all of the characters would respond in that <laughs> you know they are all a, a shadow of these other characters that we've seen. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's tough. It's tough for me. I I do feel like I enjoyed it and it was um you know beautiful. The performances are wonderful. The physical uh you know comparisons, the the way these two actors embody the uh parts of society that they're meant to represent. <laughs> right. Um is the Indie very- Sleeve soundtrack. Uh, of course, yes. Um, even the like original score part was beautiful. Mm, um, mm. Very clever. Um, very enjoyable. Yeah. But I don't. I don't know. It's just I don't know. Maybe when you've just been building your uh, entire wardrobe, 
based on the towns of Mr. Ripley for the past 20 years, you it's a little hard it's a hard pill to swallow. I mean, I get it. I get it. I get it. I, I mean, how many sweater my... polos does one person have to have to make a point? <laughs> Jazz, baby. <laughs> I mean, one of my favorite things has also been friends of mine who have like gone to see this movie with like no context at all. <laughs> um, I had a friend who went to see it, just like had, had no idea what it was. And then he was, and I, he used the word aghast to describe how he was the rest of the movie. And then he said, uh, he said he was like, he, and then he was just like so on edge. He said, he said when he's like when he yanks out the feeding tube, I did a full backflip in the theater. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, this movie it's uh, it pushes you. It, it pushes you. It pushes you. Except for that final scene where it brings you back home, and you're like, then you're like, oh, that's me. <laughs> It is. Why am I not being paid for the <laughs> ripoff? Right. Here comes the only Even fan. the song. I mean. Mm-hmm. Oh, the song is such a great my choice. Di- my diary. The um, song's been a sense. What are you giving Saltburn? This for me is, it's like a consume plus, you know, like I, I can't quite give it a binge it because it is as we for all the reasons that we've talked about that it's 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 just sort of like it's more of a riff on a great movie than a great movie in its own right mm. um but like but I, it, it's a lot of fun like i had a, a lot of fun watching it i was certainly never bored i was very intrigued like i was very like compelled and gripped by everything that was happening um like it takes a lot of big swings and a lot and does a lot of shocking shit you don't <laughs> see in a lot of movies so and i think it's it succeeds in what it sets out to do more than it doesn't so i mean yeah i gotta at least give it a consume plus man i don't it always scares me when we're agreeing too much but um <laughs> i have to say the same i i almost want to say binge it but um yeah it's somewhere in that somewhere in that yeah. world um yeah saltburn is in theaters now and it is coming to prime video uh on december 22nd so yeah i mean if you're home Definitely watch it. Right. Yes, if you're home visiting your family for Definitely Christmas, watch it. This Although, is the mood to put on. I would say um, for all of these movies, those I wouldn't watch all of them together <laughs> in the same. <laughs> I I don't know. There's got to be a movie. What's something you could slip in between? Like American Fiction, like that was good. You need something mm. to ease. All of these are a lot of this. <laughs> they all kind of pick at the same scab of mm, discomfort. Right. Um, yeah, the holdovers is a very wholesome holiday movie that people can watch. There you go. Slip that. Put in the trolls or whatever. Um, <laughs> the trolls or whatever. <laughs> is that what it's called? Trolls or whatever. Um, That's what the screener said. Yeah. It's uh. It's this one's rated R. I would call it a hard R. Um, yeah. Be careful. Uh, movie number three. Oh my god, they keep getting worse. Is Eileen. <laughs> In 1964, Massachusetts, a young secretary becomes enchanted by Rebecca, the glamorous new counselor at the prison where she works. Their budding friendship soon takes a twisted turn when Rebecca reveals a dark secret. Uh, And that's why I said Dr. Mrs. Rebecca St. James, uh, because that's the name of Anne Hathaway's character in this movie, Eileen. Is her name actually Rebecca St. James? Yes. That's hysterical. <laughs> I don't think I caught that. <laughs> it's when they introduce her as a new like uh, counselor at the prison. Dr. Mrs. Rebecca St. James. It's just too good. Rebecca St. James is, is the name of one of the most famous contemporary Christian music singers. Oh, really? Uh, so, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's very funny. Uh, yeah. 
And now, and Rebecca, I believe you 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 just watched this today. Is that right? You're just coming off this one? I sure did. You know what? <laughs> I I struggled with the beginning of this movie. I could not hear anything. I oh. could not hear the dialogue. And so I ended up, um, this was a screener, so I put it into my PlayStation and I put on the headphones that I use when I'm <laughs> gaming. So I sat there and Sol was making pancakes. And I think like every... Like, Every so often, I'd be like, oh, my God. Like, just like total <laughs> silence. And then you hear like, ah, coming from me. In the, where I just had it in my ear, um, what was going on. This was a, this was a ride. There's a, there's a, this movie also, kind of like Saltburn, is kind of one movie until the, the last, until the back end, until the last third where it takes a turn and you honestly have no idea what's going to happen next or what the next no. line is going to be said. There's a, no. there's a moment. Um, and which we will not be spoiling. No, we're not. No, we shouldn't. Um, no. Where Anne Hathaway says a line that I never thought was going to happen. No. <laughs> never what I thought was going to be next. Me neither. My, I think I, out loud was, I went, oh, what? I think I did a you. I think I did a what? Yeah. <laughs> Punctuated the I, silence. Like, my jaw dropped and at the same time I made this like Grinch smile. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh my god. I fucking love this movie so much. You did. <laughs> oh my god, I fucking love it. This movie made me so uncomfortable. This movie made me more uncomfortable than May December by oh, a million for sure. miles. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, you want to talk about destabilizing. This is a movie that has just like a few random fantasy scenes of people getting shot in the head. Right. (laughs) Yeah. uh, You know, like this, this movie truly leaves you uncertain of what is, what is happening and what is real. And it's so dark and it's so, there's such a brutality running through it. Be careful. Uh, This movie season. (laughs) Take care of yourselves. Put on some trolls or whatever. Really? Uh, yes. Yeah, so get ready for Rebecca's top ten trolls or whatever. It's just good. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's just you know, right in between each one. Just put on a troll. Uh, so I think I said uh, I've said that this movie is like Carol Two Caged Wig. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the anti-Carol. This is the anti-Carol. This is like. Because it does feel very Carol. Because it's a Christmas um, movie. This is a Christmas movie. Because it's a Christmas movie <laughs> that's set in, like, wasn't Carol set? It was, like, New, well, I guess it was New York, New Jersey, right? Right. Um, and so, yeah, so this is, like, East Coast, early 60s, repressed, lesbian, young, kind of mousy brunette, glamorous, older blonde woman. Like, you know, like, it, it's it's very, it really is giving Carol um but but boy does it <laughs> boy is it not carol what uh, is carol and um i'm just gonna say this and you can tell me if you think this is a spoiler i'll cut it out in post what if carol have you ever, have you ever asked yourself what if carol had a the most disturbing description of sexual abuse you've ever heard <laughs> then mm-hmm, you'll mm-hmm, love mm-hmm. eileen Yes. Yeah. No, that feels right. That feels right. It's like if you watched the Viola Davis scene in Doubt and we're just like, eh, this is pretty vanilla. Um, but tell me more. 
this this movie has a performance from Marin Ireland um, that is for you. That uh, performance, though. When she's like, she, what, I went to get a glass of water or something. And I, I did just see this movie, but I was like, what yeah. is happening on the screen right now? This woman is giving the performance of a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she is not made for an independent spirit award for this movie. Thank God. Uh, yeah. As she should be. Um, and I mean, it's, I just saw her in a different movie that got spirit nominated this year called Birth Rebirth um, uh, uh, with her opposite Judy Reyes. And a very fascinating, very disturbing kind of horror movie. Um, and so I'm, I'm, she is very much on my radar right now um, after watching sort of the one, two punch of those performances, but her in this in particular, like, um, it is, it is remarkable. Uh, you know, I feel like, I feel like the worst thing that could be said about this movie is that the ending feels abrupt. Um, you know, because even even if you're somebody like me who is like predisposed to very much enjoy how dark it gets, um, like you know, the ending is like semi abrupt. But but I think so. I think it's better to come in this movie expecting more of a short story than a novel. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, because the story ultimately is it feels like a short story. It has that sort of short story novella kind of you know feel to it, where it doesn't get super complex plot wise. And it ends on more of that kind of open-ended note where, you know, you just, it just feels like you just feel like you finished a really just like dark, compelling short story. And this um, is based on you, a book. Yeah, I believe it's based on a novel and yet, and, and I have, which I have not read because I don't read. Um, but this, <laughs> but this adaptation feels to me more like a, more like a short story. Um, so I would say, I would say, you know, go into it expecting a short story vibe. Um, and I think it'll probably be, you know, more satisfying in a way, but which is not me saying that the ending is not satisfying, but I think, you know, you're, it, it, it is sort of deliberately, it sort of deliberately blue balls you a little as a viewer because, uh, which is the same experience that the protagonist has, but then that's what makes her sort of reaction in the final moments of the movie that much more like, okay, this is, it's just great. Thomas and Mackenzie uh plays the plays the Rooney Mara. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> this is not Carol. This is do not do not put this movie on expecting to see Carol. Do not. <laughs> and she's great. But I mean, <laughs> but this is I mean uh, we have all as a culture said a lot of shitty things about Anne Hathaway. <laughs> <laughs> but, but her in this movie is so mother. <laughs> like I, I like I just like the way she plays the entire bar scene. Yeah. Uh when she throws she that said, elbow. Yes. <laughs> that was I I had to rewind that. I was it, I mean also it's like the directing of that scene is brilliant. Yeah. Like what did, uh, what just happened? Yes. It's seamless. It, it is incredible. Yeah, the, and the director we should mention is named William Oldroyd. Um, and he previously um, basically introduced the world of Florence Pugh um, in the film Lady Macbeth, mm-hmm. uh, which was her sort of, it was her, her sort of calling card breakthrough performance that first kind of got critics and people like that to notice her. Um, and so he definitely has a way, and that's also a sort of just a very dark kind of minimalist female driven story. Uh, so I like his taste in material. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, like uh, Shay, I should also call out Shay Wiggum, who plays Thomason's father, is mm. incredible as well. 
I mean, he's he's one of our great character actors, and this is another great role for him, and just very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable performance. Um, yeah, it is it is a movie that is. I think mean, I definitely was looking away at times, and you know, there were there are a few sort of like, I guess you could call them jump scares. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I would that you know that then go away so quickly that you're just like, basically you just got like fucking side swiped and you're like, what just, I don't, ah. Um, and then just keeps charging ahead. Like, oh, I just love it. <laughs> I just love it. Oh, yeah. Love it, love it, love it. Binge well, it. To the, the fact that the, where this movie takes this incredible turn, it is, I, I feel like I'm still just really sh- shocked at how bad people are at their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> it's sitting with me it's just I, I, I thought for I thought at one point you, it was going to have almost like a salt burn type thing where you're like oh has everyone been lying this whole time Are none of these people actually right. doing the things that they said they're supposed to be doing um, mm-hmm. but you know it's, it's a coming of age tale about a woman learning about her sexuality um, yeah. Yeah. and uh, and and drinking. <laughs> She's just a thing flung out of space. <laughs> this movie <laughs> is not Carol. If you do not put this on and think you're going to be watching something like Carol, I can't not say make it more clear. <laughs> even though Anne Hathaway wears the exact wardrobe from Carol. Yes. <laughs> Maybe even the same wig. It'll cut, you'll think about it. You'll be like, oh, this reminds me. And, but it's not. Trust oh me, yeah, it's I not. mean the very, I mean the very first scene makes it abundantly clear that you're not watching Carol. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that this movie had a very um, sixties Hitchcockian, you know, with the mm-hmm. title cards and the way it was filmed. That was uh, that was very yes. enjoyable. Yes. Yeah. Just aesthetically, it, yeah. Ugh. It just works. It works really well. Everyone, everyone is making the same movie. Everyone Everyone's is making, making the same, the same movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it works. <laughs> uh, so you're giving this a binge it? Yes. I don't think I can. I don't think I can. No, it's too upsetting. It's so upsetting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to give it a consume. I have mm. to. You can't you can't just inflict it on people. You have to you have to couch it a little. Yeah, I do have to couch it a little. Um, that's unfortunate because I I can't think of a good reason why it wouldn't be a binge other than <laughs> right. Other than I, no, the weight you, the of that responsibility <laughs> feels <laughs> the movie was too it was too good at its job. Uh, yeah, <laughs> unlike some everybody else in this movie who is terrible right. at their job, from the <laughs> cops that point guns at children walking home from school. <laughs> Um, this uh, Eileen is in theaters now, and it is rated R. Jesus. <laughs> the last movie of the week is Maestro. American conductor Leonard Bernstein falls in love with Costa Rican actress Felicia Montalegre. Great, that's the description of this movie. <laughs> Are you doing this on purpose? No, that's what Google said. Oh, okay. <laughs> Isn't this your job to write movie descriptions? <laughs> You're not like music this, plays in this movie. <laughs> not for Netflix. This is the synopsis that Google gave me. All right, then this connects back to Tar, which connects back to oh man, I am right. I am strangling myself in the in the <laughs> knots I have connected. 
that, that, that this is. I have not connected the, these knots that exist between these movies this week. Jesus. And I think you I know what? picked the ones we were going to review. You're like, you know what? That does it. This could be our last episode this year. We've done it. Everything's come full circle. <laughs> we're doing a Bradley Cooper like we did that American Sniper movie. I mm. think on our first episode. Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm, is bookended mm-hmm. with the coops. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, I think our first episode may have been Freeheld, which was Julianne Moore. Oh. Uh, so. mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Well, it's been a good run. Yeah. When will yeah. it end? Today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Today. <laughs> Eight years is what we always had planned. Yep. But, maestro. Maestro. Let's just, let's just talk about the situation with the prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I found... Uh, yeah. Oh, no, you, it sounds like you have a take. Go right ahead. I mean, uh, I I found the um, prosthetics wig makeup situation. I don't even know if it's a wig. I can never tell when something's a wig unless you can tell it's a wig. Um, yeah. I'm like, is that his hair? I can't tell. Um, I know. It was, it was definitely distracting. Um, but I, w- I felt myself being distracted in different ways. Um, three-quarter shots, you know, kind of mid shots i was like he looks mm-hmm. just like him the lower half of his face looks so much like him and so i was distracted mm-hmm. with like how similar it was and then there were scenes where you know it's kind of a more close-up straight to the camera and bradley cooper's eyes and the prosthetic nose take away completely so i kept going back mm-hmm. and forth between like oh my god this is bradley cooper with this fake nose on to like oh my god that's actually leonard bernstein um throughout the entire movie and and are you? Do you know much about Leonard Bernstein? Like, did you I know mean, coming I, into I this? I saw Tar. <laughs> oh, Lenny. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, but I had taken a lot of interviews. Yeah. Just the some of the uh, you know some of the series around um, the what they had on um, public television around the introduction oh. to classical music. But otherwise, no. Got it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the prosthetic, to, to me, I think it looks very subtle. Um, you know, I, it, it's something that I, I definitely was not thinking about a lot when I was watching it. Like, I think when he, the first shot of the movie is like kind of him in extreme close up with like old age makeup. And so you're definitely like kind of given the full face, uh, right away. And it's the kind of thing where I feel like if I didn't know, it probably would have taken me a little while to even think like, wait, did his nose look different? Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's kind of been a, a, a non-troversy, um, you know, over the fact that he decided to do it. I mean, Bernstein's kids have been like, it, it, it is perfectly okay that he did this to look like our dad. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, it, it's, it's certainly one of many choices though. I think, I think it's more, it speaks to a larger thing where Bradley Cooper makes big choices throughout mm. this movie. <laughs> This Go on. Is a big cho- this is a big choice. Uh, uh, he's he's emerged as a big choice filmmaker. Um, he, I went into this thinking it was going to be. I'm not sure. I, I went into it thinking it was going to be like, okay, once I watch this, I'm gonna be like, okay, this is gonna win Best Picture this year. Like, this is gonna be just like this, like really just like perfectly executed, very emotional, um, sort of biopic. And uh, you know, and and I, what I was not expecting. Because, I mean, I knew from Star is Born that that Bradley is like, that he's like a legitimate filmmaker. Um, you know, like Star is Born was, it felt like a throwback to sort of like almost like the 70s era of like Hollywood dramas for grownups. 
you know, like even though obviously like their elements of it got kind of memed, um, mainly related to Lady Gaga. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like it was not, it, it, it was, uh, the filmmaking was for me exhilarating in Star is Born. Um, and he definitely also showed that he has like, you know, he, he enjoys a flourish here or there. Um, but that movie also took place like in the present day and was about like rock stars and pop stars and, you know, so it made sense. You know, he in, in, in Maestro right out of the gate makes it clear that he is going to be directing this with like maximum possible pretentiousness. <laughs> uh-huh. um, which I I did not fully anticipate until it was beginning to happen. And, um, you know, so we have a lot of very big, a lot of the big choices um, involve the cinematography mm-hmm. and the sets and sort of the set design and sort of the the ways that scenes sort of feed into each other in a very almost sort of dream-like and drivey way, um, even though it's telling what's ostensibly a pretty rooted, grounded, straightforward human tale. Um, and there's, of course, there's the black and white mm-hmm. uh, aspect of the whole thing. Um, I, and, and I feel like, and I, I admire, like, as I'm watching it, I was asking myself like, okay, if I didn't know that this was Bradley Cooper directing, would I have any side eye or would I just think, oh, wow, this is the work of a great virtuoso international director. Because I think you can see like his influences, you know, you can see that he is somebody who admires, uh, you know, directors who take really big artistic swings in their tales. Let me add so, another factor. Also, if you mm. didn't know that this was coming out during Oscar season, if this came out in mm. August or June, right. and you right. didn't know the director, right. would you give it a side eye? Right, and I don't think I would. I don't think I would. I Same. think I'd probably be like, "Oh wow, this is incredible!" Um, you know, like it would it would remind me of um, of like Pablo Larraín or you know someone like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it'd be like, "Oh wow, like this is this is like the this is like this world class like this is." wow the cinema 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 um you know i i think that i would not and so i really had to keep checking myself the whole time because i was like no don't be a bitch just because it's bradley cooper don't do it you know like judge it on its own merits and don't don't keep telling yourself this is bradley cooper making these choices and so i mean like it is it is definitely he takes a lot of like pretentious swings but like but i can't i can't say that i wasn't impressed with them though like this is like this is a a beautifully constructed very like formally rigorous movie uh and you know and he clearly commits 150% both as a director and in his performance in the lead uh as 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 Lydia's friend <laughs> um and you know i mean i was i was impressed I was very impressed uh, with with him in in both a director and acting roles. Like I I was like I feel like he's going to be the front runner for best actor for this. I feel like he's finally gonna. I don't think he's going to win best director for it, but I, I could see him finally winning best actor. Like it's just, <clears throat> and and it, it's it, it's a very it's kind of a very showy performance. But at the same time, it also it's not unconvincing. And and I don't know enough about Leonard Bernstein to say whether or not he is like acting believably like him right but in terms of the character as we're introduced to him and the different levels that he has um you know as this sort of queer man living at a time that you know where it was not okay to sort of just really be fully out and open about that publicly um you know that it, it's, it's a fascinating subject for the movie to to focus on because it's not a cradle to grave leonard bernstein biopic 
Um, you know, it is specifically about his his hidden marriage with noted Costa Rican actress uh, <laughs> Felicia Montalegra. Montalegra. Um, <clears throat> so, and so, you know, we're watching what's essentially sort of like the story of a marriage. Um, you know, we see who he is before he meets her. Um, he is in a relationship with a character played by Matt Bomer. Um, I short-circuited very early in this movie, and we see Bradley Cooper play Matt Bomer's bare ass like bongos. Um, and then I kind of checked out for a good 40 minutes, and I woke up, like, you know, kind of like, you know, on the floor. I'm like, what happened? Um, I'm like, who's the Costa Rican? Um, but, uh, you woke up at the but, uh, end, and you were like, is this Gloria Bell? All right. <laughs> this movie <laughs> um but uh you know so it's and then yeah just sort of this unconventional but very committed <clears throat> excuse me relationship um between uh leonard and felicia and in a way it, it harkens back a bit to just keep tying those loops it harkens back a little bit to may december um in the sense that it's sort of about this sort of unconventional marriage at the center of it and the whole movie is sort of a study on like what is this marriage? How? What are the dynamics of this marriage? How does it work when there there are there's some sort of factor that would seem to be very challenging to the traditional stability of the marriage? Um, to put it lightly, um, you know, in the case of May December, of course, it's the the age difference and how early it started and the fact that it was a crime when it began. And in this, it's the fact that he also is sleeping with men, seeing men, courting men while married to her but it's but he also has like a love a, both a romantic and sexual relationship with her um and they have children and they are raising these children and he is you know doing these things on the side so it's you know it's a really it's a really fascinating angle to to focus in on um you know if you're going to be telling a story about leonard bernstein it's certainly not one that i was familiar with uh from his life um i, I don't know i do feel like his Cooper's like directorial flourishes in some ways impede the emotional through line of the movie. Like I think mm. at, t- at times it gets a little distracting with just all the different visual things he's trying and all the different, uh, yeah, just how just all the different tricks that he's trying out kind of get in the way. And before you know it in the final stretch, you're watching an extremely emotionally grounded and devastating movie um that it, it you're kind of like oh now it feels in that stretch like kind of a different movie than it had been up until that point mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh i don't know what did you think yeah i mean i to to get to that um so the last uh part of the movie um it, i feel like it has one of the most brutal um and not graphic but emotionally brutal um like death scenes mm-hmm. like i've seen in a, mm-hmm. in a quite some time uh, mm-hmm. Again, not graphic, but um, just in- yeah, incredibly just emo- emotionally, yeah, yeah. Um, devastating. Um, I had this. This is it's, it's very unsettling how similar uh, my response is. Where I kept also trying to say, like, how how much am I it, taking this in with this prejudgment filter of like how thirsty Bradley Cooper is to get an award <laughs> for this movie? You know how you know, Oscar Beatty it is. Um, but I did find myself at the end of it, in spite of all of that, um, enjoying it very much. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this, the beautiful scene during the Thanksgiving Macy's Day Parade. Um, that kind of is where they finally come to a head about their relationship. Uh, mm. It's beautiful. Carrie Mulligan mm-hmm. is of stars. She's just 
brilliant in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought it was, you know, it was a, a great take on a biopic. Um, you know, all of these movies this week have this dy- relationship dynamic around like star and shadow. Um, leader follower i don't know if it's like someone sucking the oxygen someone giving their oxygen um flower and gardener (laughs) if you i could do this for hours let's just (laughs) (laughs) Um, pinky in the brain yeah (laughs) (laughs) pinky in the brain that is the through line for all of these movies pinky in the brain Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Wow. Zero stretch. After all it took was four. We got to the fourth movie and then it became clear. Yeah. It's a real another pinky in the brain situation. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, if I had thought this was directed by somebody else, I I did not like A Star is Born. Um I I I don't I don't have a warm feeling when it's like it's a Bradley Cooper movie or Bradley, other than his voice is Rocket the Raccoon. Um <laughs> it turns me off. But uh, mm-hmm. in spite of himself, I thought this was an excellent movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly uh, it, it is interesting to imagine, like if this was, you know, Kenneth Branagh uh, mm-hmm. starring and directing, mm-hmm. I think we'd be like Oscar, Oscar, cinema, cinema. Um, you know, but like Bradley Cooper just seemed there's something about him that just seems inherently still just cheesy and smarmy, even though he has shown us again and again that he's kind of the real deal. Like, even the, think about his performance in Licorice Pizza. He was so fucking good in that movie. Uh, you know, he has this ability to bring this, this just this electricity um, to the screen, is it which because, he does. Yeah. Is it because he, his, like, real-life persona is so straight American male? Is it... I think I mean I feel like it's just because we call have to call him Bradley. Ah. I feel like I feel like they're just saying Bradley Cooper. It just sounds like a made-up movie star name. Um, you know, uh, it's it's it, it's strange, and I think also you know him him coming up through like the Hangover movies and just mm. kind of being this kind of like yeah, I think we just think of him as just being this like dirtbag, this like cheesy Hollywood dirtbag because he plays a lot of these kinds of characters. Um, you know, but yeah, in in, in this. Yeah, no, he just, he just, he has this, yeah, I mean, Nightmare Alley, he was so good in Nightmare Alley, he Mm. was so fucking good in that movie, Uh, I mean, think about him in the final scene of that, you know, like, like, he is an incredible actor, and I think a a very promising filmmaker, and just audacious, like, he is not making the same stuff everybody else is making, like, you know, he really loves, like, you know, like the golden age, like the 70s new Hollywood. He loves like, you know, the, the Fellinis and the Tonionis. Like he loves, like he is, I think, a student of like, on you know, movies 50s, 60s, 70s cinema. And that is, we don't like to see a guy who is like the high school quarterback of Hollywood be also like, you right, know, like, right. the, like the, the film student. But I think in his case, like, it seems like it's true. Um, I mean, like, uh, uh, even to have this be the, a movie that he would do so much to make, um, given its focus, it's just unexpected. It's just really unexpected. And yeah, I mean, I think it's it's disarming. And, you know, and, and everybody, at your point, I mean, it's, it's well acted across the board. And Carrie Mulligan, I mean, this is, 
you know, we'll see if she and she's certainly expected to get at least nominated for best actress for it. Um, I mean, she is she's she's one of her best. Like she's she's never, ever, ever less than fantastic mm-hmm. in everything that she's in. Um, and I mean, the the just the. Oh, yeah, her performance in the final stretch of the movie is yeah, just devastating. Um, and just the way that she plays every just the, these different beats of it. You're like, how are you so convincing in this? How right. are you so convincing portraying this this very dark arc of this woman's life? Um, you know, it's it's remarkable. You see a lot of random actors popping up throughout here. Sarah Silverman plays Bradley <laughs> Cooper's sister. Uh, it's it's interesting seeing her in like 60s New York attire. <laughs> Uh, you know, there's a lot of different Broadway actors in this movie. Um, Matt Bomer, as we mentioned. Right, right. Um, uh, it's yeah, I don't know. And you know, and it really yeah, it leans into I mean Maya Hawk. Maya Hawk is oh, here. Right, yeah. Uh yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, I don't know, it's remarkable. I really want to watch it a second time because I think the first time I was just so taken off guard by the approach, the sort of like more impressionistic approach that he takes to sort of you know because i think that's the thing is that it, there are stretches of it where he, it's very impressionistic and then then they'll suddenly very abruptly switch over to like very linear and grounded and that doesn't make it a bad movie and that can and that can be by design like those both of those approaches can exist in one movie right you, know, you can have like impressionistic riffs and then you know linear narratives so and yeah this is definitely a movie that i want to that i want to revisit um but yeah it, it it makes me want to be a bitch but i also can't really super ding it on anything where i feel like it went terribly wrong i feel similarly <laughs> I, I, I hate, hate to say it but i agree uh, i also feel like i want to see it again um and try to be a little bit more chill about it not kind of like waiting for it to fail <laughs> right exactly um the, yeah his performance his you know wa- watching his um embodiment i did watch um some videos afterwards of Bernstein directing or um, conducting. Um, Mm. And then there's a scene kind of towards the end where he's um, directing. I want to say it's like Mahler's. No, I I won't know. That's that's tar. (laughs) Right. But he also, I mean, that's where he, he did Mahler. Um, Right. right. But I don't know what it is. Maybe it was his own performance of mass. I, Anyway, um, no notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All these, it's a we're, bunch of disappointments. So yeah. I know. We're so defeated that we liked it. <laughs> like it's very disappointing that this movie was good. <laughs> um, do you say binge it? Like, I guess I give it a binge it. Like, I feel like I want to give giving it a binge it a send it back. <laughs> uh, <because> I, <laughs> I don't give that attitude to send it, it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, I do want to watch it again. I feel like I'll have a more like thoughtful critique because it is, it is kind of just like, it's, it's kind of almost overwhelming to watch because it mm, does yeah. do so much. Um, so I really do need to give it a second watch because it's, it's just, it's very, it's, it's dense. This is like a very dense movie. Um, so I really do want to give it a second watch, but I mean, I can't say that there's anything that I thought was bad about it. I've read critiques that try to pick weird nerdy fights with it. And I'm just like, I don't know that this is sticking for me. I don't know that this critique is resonating. 
Um, some of you are like, oh, the movie's supposed to be about her, but it's really it's about him. I'm like, what? Is it supposed to be about her? I feel like it's pretty clear that he's the protagonist. Like, right. he's the first and last person you see. I don't know. This still, anyway. yeah, I have not seen any critiques so far that have really that have stuck. So, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, I, I, it's. I'm looking forward to also watching it when it comes out on Netflix, just so I can watch it like not in a DVD screener format. Uh, um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to being able to sort of like watch it in its fullness. Um, and yeah, I guess it's a binge it. So. <laughs> this ended up being a, a critique of ourselves. Uh, <laughs> and our own shitty judgmental attitude we bring to these movies. <laughs> Bradley Cooper said, check thyself. <laughs> Bruh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's a binge for me, too. I do want to see it again. Um, and then yeah. we'll come back in the next episode if we've rethought about it and we could find something to ding it for. Oh, we'll come back. Oh, yeah. We will move heaven and earth to tape an emergency episode in which we point out the problems that we found with Maestro. We thought this was going to be the last episode, but turns out we have something to live for. Um, Maestro is in theaters now, and it's going to be coming to Netflix on December 20th. It is rated R. We'll be paging through the 10-pound coffee table book looking for something to be like, there, found it. <laughs> <laughs> this oh. coffee table book is obnoxious and the binding is is pretentious. <laughs> so obnoxious and so pretentious. How dare it be good? <laughs> what a shame. Um, uh, can't stand. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. Uh, but here we are. That is yeah. it for us, Jason. And I think that's it for us for 2023. Yeah, I think that's the case, guys. Uh, our schedules are not going to permit us to do a year-end episode, at least not this year. Uh, we will do our best to reconvene in January and uh, and put something together for you guys, because, of course, at that point, we'll be in the the annual January graveyard for what movies are in theaters. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, but don't worry, we're still watching as much as we can, and we will have a list. It just won't be until the new year, but stick, but stick out, and it will come your way. Remember, if you're going to watch these movies, throw a trolls in there so to or reset yourself or whatever. Or whatever. <laughs> um, take care of yourself. None of these movies are actually Christmas movies. <laughs> no. Well, even like the other movies are opening on Christmas this year. It's like, oh, do you want to go see like the Color Purple musical on, on Christmas Day? <laughs> and we haven't even gotten to poor things. No, we have not gotten to poor things, but I did see it. Oh, you jerk. Um, we'll talk about it offline <laughs> and we'll talk about it in the new year. Uh, thank you so much for listening. See you in 2024. Bye, guys. Happy Ooh, New bye. Year. Happy New Year. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.